come. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm James Lokamp. And I'm Matt Lokamp. And we're, we're talking, talking about, about games these days. Sketchy Logic in December 2015, um, and oddly enough, just came out on Steam. Um, I feel like this game would be really well suited to a handheld console too. Yeah, I get totally like. I'm see surprised that. it never got a, like a PSP release or something. So, does that you said it started development earlier, but it just came out? No, it it was published and and developed. Oh, well, by... what was it first released on? If not Steam. It, it was released on Steam, that's oh, what I'm saying. but it was just released? Just just released on Steam. Oh, I see how that's confusing now. <laughs> oh, it was, you're saying it was only released yeah. on Steam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was developed and produced in 2015. Yes. And only released Sol- on Steam. Solely. No other releases were made. <laughs> okay. Just, just Steam. Glad we got that cleared up. Okay. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, it is a um, uh, takes heavy in, in influence from um, the Ace Attorney games, mm-hmm. uh, which for people that don't know, kind of play like a Law and Order game. Yeah. Uh, so you are an attorney, um, and you you're doing like courtroom drama as well as uh, evidence gathering and witness. Uh, interrogation and whatnot. Yeah, so it's a little bit of detective work via finding clickable places in the environment. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of interactive fiction, navigating dialogue trees, right. and a little bit of combining those two things together to refute claims that other people make. Yeah, in court yeah, yeah, yeah. Settings. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this is a, a genre that. I don't think really has been touched on very much. Like, they're the Ace Attorney games, they're this game. And I don't know that I've really come across any other games that kind of... I mean, like, there are... There are, like, visual novels that have, like, interactive puzzle elements, but not really that really articulate in this fashion. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, did you did you play any of the Ace Attorney games? Um, I played a couple of them. Um, I didn't get very far. Uh, I... I feel like they're at the time that I played them, they were really hard, or yeah. it required me to make uh, leaps of intuition that I wasn't like right. thinking of. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I never even gave them a try. They they just never seemed that int- They seemed more like they were just like silly, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sure what the like what the what fun they would be basically. <laughs> yeah, um, and I don't know. Maybe this game has changed my mind about the genre a little bit. Although, as we'll probably get into, it, it seems like it deviates pretty pretty heavily from that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in a really good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it is set in real world uh, Paris, France. Yeah. Uh, 1848. Um, the only difference being <laughs> that instead of... Well, there are... Are there humans in this world? I don't think there's any people. Okay. Yeah. So there are just animal people. Yes. Uh, anthropomorphized uh, animals who are just going around acting like normal people. Yeah. Uh, but they are pretty aware of the fact that they are animals right. because they make animal puns and also <laughs> reference sort of like animal species stereotypes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and there are little funny in, in, inconsistencies like horses are still like horses. Right. And right, then there's right. like the kingfisher who definitely fishes for fish, uh-huh. not like people fish. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that's interesting. Um, I actually really, I was kind of um, it. W- it felt a little hard to get into at first because like everybody has like French names or French sounding names, right. and like all of the places you go, like it's not like you're going to the jail, you're going to the you know pa- the palace de, de justice, like, yeah, yeah. Um, also, all the people's French names are all puns as well. Yeah. They all have to do with their species or mm-hmm. their character or something. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and that, that helps a little bit to sort of, like, cut through that kind of alien nature of it. Yeah. Uh, and really, like, in the beginning, when you're first introduced to the world and the game, it seems incredibly silly. Yeah. Uh, like... There's there is just sort of like nonstop animal puns mm-hmm. and even just the the situations even if it was humans it would still be a ridiculous situation <laughs> right. uh, and like you were saying there's a lot of sort of comedic play back and forth between your main character and his assistant uh-huh. uh, who are a falcon and a sparrow mm-hmm. um, and all you know their various counterparts in the legal system and, and other citizens of Paris uh-huh. but the tone doesn't really stay that way. No, it, it changes after a certain point, and we can probably elaborate in the story section, but it definitely um, does sort of start out feeling lighthearted and silly and takes a more serious turn later yeah. on, which I think it does really well, um, and I think works really well for the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does a lot to, to keep it from being like a one-note game. Yeah. Like it really, I don't know, gives it a complex experience. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is interesting because uh, the characters themselves are kind of one note. Um, yeah. So it's probably worth noting that um, the art for the game is directly taken from um, caricature work of J.J. Granville, okay. uh, who was a, a French caricaturist of uh, appropriate time period. Um, and so what they did when they were making the art assets was... As I understand, they basically just, like, traced over his drawings and um, put them straight into the game. And so, interestingly enough, like, in the way that that those drawings are caricatures, like, the characters themselves are kind of caricatures of, like, like narrative archetypes. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really consider that. Um, And, like, they're, they're also, like, fitting for the type of animal they are. Right. So, um... You know, like you come across in the first case, there's a there's a lion who's like a duke and he's very like posh, right, but also like proud, fierce. Yes. Um, and then like there's an elephant who runs a chocolate shop. You know, yeah, it's kind of um, like grouchy and yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's also a really cool like sort of shorthand 
that they mm-hmm. use that makes it a little bit more uh, uh, easy to get into. And the style, I mean, it's it's hard since we're just talking about it and not actually looking at it. But, like, I think if people looked up that guy's art, it looks real familiar. It yeah. looks like, like you know, you have the super, like, posh, upper-class-looking cat with an umbrella sort of picture, or you have, like, the scrappy, like, lower-class-looking crow or uh-huh. whatever. Like, it, it looks very familiar. Yeah, and, and all of the uh, backgrounds are drawn to match that, too, which yeah. looks really, really, really good. And, in fact, the entire game is black and white. There's yeah. no color whatsoever. Uh, which I thought was a really interesting choice. Yeah, I think um, it works really well. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that you... I feel like you can't do that too often, otherwise it kind of loses its novelty or whatever. Uh-huh. But every once in a while you come across little pieces of media that have decided to just stick to black and white. And even like... This is even like just black and white, like not even shades of gray or anything. Right. right? Like it's just lines or nothing. Um, kind of reminds me of like like Brick... That movie mm, uses yeah, yeah, yeah. like a very heavy noir black and white thing. Uh huh. Yeah. And it is like it's a cool kind of uh, like again. I I think one of the things that I've come to understand about this game as I've been as we've been playing it and kind of researching it is everything almost everything is of like a purpose and mm-hmm. and like setting that uh, historical setting is really like important to the game. Yeah. So. So like the 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 art is of an appropriate time period. All of the background art is drawn in the same style to match it. You know, it all looks like really good like ink and pen. Yeah. Uh, like line work. Or like the kind of like where you like they used to do old prints for illustrations that are like um, engravings basically yeah. like lots and lots of lines for texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. itself, like we said, starts out pretty simple, pretty basic. Um, you are introduced to your main character, J.J. Uh, Falcon, mm-hmm. uh, who's kind of a, kind of portrayed to be a, sort of a bumbling, sort of bad lawyer, kind right. of a drunk. Yeah, like it's not like he's, he doesn't have any bad intentions, he right. just hasn't been very successful. Yeah, <laughs> um, and his partner, uh, Sparrison. Mm-hmm. Who really likes food and making dad jokes? <laughs> yeah, um, and they've been working together for like five or six years or something. Yeah, like that. it's definitely seemed to be implied that they've had like a running partnership. Yeah, I don't remember if they went to school together or not. But a few of the main characters sort of graduated from yeah. lawyer school around the same <laughs> yeah, yeah, time yeah. or whatever. I think I think. Um, JJ and uh, Severin are classmates, mm-hmm. and then there's that whole thing about uh, Sparrowson like dropping out. Right, after he never first really graduated. Year. Yeah, <laughs> the other like the little like Rob Robinson, uh-huh. the little like rabbit guy. He was in the same class. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it changes is like it it sort of foreshadows um, like rebellion is in the air and, mm-hmm. and things are changing in in France. Um, and that sort of like gradually works its way into the story, right? 
Um, and I think one of the defining things about your main character is that he, he along with his sort of like lawyer rival, the the uh, the rooster guy, uh, both have faith in the justice system. Yeah. Like they both really want the courts to work and to be impartial and for justice to be done. But through the course of the game, you're kind of introduced to situation after situation where it's pretty clear that it didn't work. Right. And you have characters that will try to say like, look, see, look, that's proof that we should do something different. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of the interesting choices you have to make in the game come from like, do you go along with that or do you stick to your, right. your guns as far as how justice is dispensed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the end of the second case um it it comes about that like there at least you know of one uh wolf who is kind of insinuating himself into the situation to uh manipulate another character into starting this re- uh, revolution yeah. Um, yeah they're trying to they're taking existing tensions and kind of fanning the flames. I, I don't know, did you ever really... So there's there's different ways you can beat the game. Like, there's lots of different paths right. you can take. Did yours ever show you exactly what they were planning to do? No, although I feel like I, I was able to infer most of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's the part where there's... So, one again, like, in interesting ways that this... Like really sticks to historical time period is like they they um, there's a part in the I think it's in the beginning of the third chapter where your characters are walking along and they encounter uh, one of the wolves um, and he's handing out pamphlets for the cult of reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cult of reason was a real like organization. Um, it was one of the first uh, state sponsored uh, atheistic groups really? um, in France that came about around the time of. The French Revolution, right? <laughs> um, um, and and I think the implication there is that they were trying to essentially just start another revolution again. Yeah, because whatever had happened before hadn't worked. Yeah, because there basically there'd been an attempt at like an uprising or a revolution or whatever. Like there was definitely a lot of protests and mm-hmm. it was violently put down. Yeah. Uh, during like you know notorious events from six or seven or eight years ago, maybe yeah. at the time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of people are sort of starting to get worried that it might happen again, right? Like it's looking like that's the way that the the winds are blowing. Um, um, and it gets, I mean, like the way that it um, articulates in its seriousness, um, I think they do a really good job. So basically, uh, in the third chapter, uh, you start out trying to sort of root out um, where these uh, rebels might be. Um, Over the course of it, your rival, who's also working with the police to do basically the same thing, um, gets captured um, by the rebels, um, and you have to chase after him. On the way, you do a couple of different investigation sequences, um, but basically what that culminates in is you trying to convince the rebels to release him, and depending on the evidence that you have or don't don't have like they either do or they kill him right. uh, which is kind of like where things get like start getting real yeah yeah and cuz in the in the previous two cases you you've sort of done your best mm-hmm. it's interesting you're right so falcon is kind of portrayed as being bumbling or kind of down on his luck or whatever but even after the point where you take control of his destiny you sort of realize how much trouble he's been having. Yeah. Because he's in this impossible position where he only has so much time, mm-hmm. knowing practically nothing about the case, to, like, somehow bumble his way through, <laughs> you know, uh, countering witness statements and testimony and stuff. Right. Um, so, like, the first time you, you realize that you've been unwittingly 
been made party to a murderer getting off. Yeah. And blaming the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one, something real similar happens. Like, you you try to defend the person that you know is innocent, but they end up getting convicted anyway. At least that's the way it went for me. So um, so that one, uh, there's an, uh, an assassination attempt men- make, made on the king's life. Mm-hmm. Um, the man that they have in custody is essentially taking the blame for someone else. Right. Um, who was put into that position because they owe somebody else money. Mm -hmm. Um, What you can do is if you have the right evidence, um, you can get the the swan to confess that it was the judge that was having her um, do that. But but if you can't prove it, then nothing comes of it. Right. Um, Which I did. I got... I got through that part. I proved that the fox didn't do it. Uh-huh. I got the swan to confess to it and to finger the judge. Uh-huh. And had something that he wrote with his pen or oh, something, okay. I think. Um, yeah. That all worked out to him basically becoming a fugitive. Yeah. Um, and the old judge getting reinstated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, okay, so after you've already been through those two sort of, like, failures, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your third one is trying to catch the rebellion and then trying to get your, your fellow lawyer out of sort of a kangaroo court situation uh-huh. uh, where the leader, the new leader of the new rebellion has him at gunpoint and is accusing him of killing one of her confederates. Right. And he's denying it. You just stumble across them while the situation is in progress. And it's uh-huh. actually like, I feel like that was the first time I had to really like sit and think about a decision because you, it, it asks you like if you want to step in and intervene or not. Uh-huh. And I really was like, well, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, you know, clearly she's already, like, holding a gun at his head. Right. Like, she's not trying to be reasonable about this. She's looking for an excuse to kill him anyway. What's she going to do to Falcon if he pops in? You know, is it better to just run and go get the police or whatever? Right. And even at that point, too, like, I was a little bit uncomfortable with the fact that I was kind of like a political stooge. (laughs) You know, I was was being made to hunt down enemies of the state Uh without you know, really knowing if I had a dog in that fight. Right, right, right. So I didn't even know, like, oh, do I really want to, like, pursue this to, to, you know, to my own self-detriment? Yeah. But I I decided to step in. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I figured, like, that's seemed like the right thing to do. Right. (laughs) Um, But I don't think either of us managed to win that one either, right? No. um, I think what you have to do is you have to investigate um, one of the street lamps in the area where the guy was killed uh, to know that they weren't functioning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that seemed like what it was like nudging me towards. Yeah. But man, it was another one of those things where like, oh, it just seemed like it happened so fast. Like, I right. didn't really have time to look at the street lamps. There's blood right there. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a feeling that sort of persisted throughout that like I always felt like I never had enough time yeah. or enough information to really do a good job right because you know? the the way so the way that um, this game articulates is basically you have the you have the murder at the beginning uh, you get your case um, and then you have X amount of days to visit locations to gather evidence right um, generally when you're going to a place, it takes a day. But like you said, like very rarely do you ever have good leads or like good evidence. So you kind of just have to like guess at what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, because like even so 
there's like the really simple case where you have like 10 locations in five days, right? Yeah. Like you just can't hit everyone. But even if you have 10 locations in 10 days, the order makes a difference because you right. might show up to a location and realize, oh, like I actually needed something from somewhere else. Yeah. You don't even know where to get that from. Mm -hmm. You know, like now you have another sub objective to find that thing. Right. And you don't even know if spending time doing that is going to lead to anything productive for the case. Yeah. So yeah, you're really just sort of like not not being able to be very effective with your time most of the time. Yeah. So the way that uh, my ending articulates is um, you're, you get sort of drafted into the revolution, right? Um, which was preferable over being killed. Sure. Um, I, um, I distracted the guys and let Sparrison escape. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, so then you kind of ingratiate yourself with the rebel leader, who actually seems like a reasonable person. She's just like very like fueled by yeah she's driven yeah like she really she's gonna make this pro she's gonna get the king out of power one way or another right and the the sort of like it's interesting because at that point she has like the little angel on her shoulder devil on her shoulder moment right where her like wolf friar friend uh -huh. is kind of like counseling her towards a violent revolution right and uh, Falcon sort of takes over the the role of telling her like no like you can have a peaceful revolution yeah. violence is not a good idea mm -hmm. um, and you basically so you accompany her as she goes around the city sort of in preparation and they get to talk a little bit and she sort of tries I think she's trying to sell him on the idea too like she's yeah. saying like look how bad things really are for the common folk you know mm -hmm. how can you not support our cause um, and he still tries to be very like fair and even-handed and lawyerly or whatever. Uh -huh. um, but I think even he is kind of like, oh man, like things really are bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think he's left in a position where he thinks that they shouldn't be protesting. Right. You know? Right. Um, it's just a matter of what methods they use. Yeah. Well, and yeah, down to the point where like you can go out to the, like, you know, the day before the protest site and she's like, oh, that's where I'm going to, you know, build the barricades and this is where we're going to have the people come through. And you can be like, well, maybe don't, build the barricades and maybe just like have a smaller group come through yeah. like less you know it'll be less dangerous that way mm -hmm. um and i was actually i mean like i was kind of surprised how quickly like she concedes on those points mm -hmm. but i think again like she's also someone who like is portrayed to very strongly believe in justice just not like court justice right. like she wants actual like reparations you yeah. know for the people yeah and and you know part of part of the other like revolution not working is her sort of coming to the conclusion that the only way to get people's attention is violence yeah yeah um, and also like retribution violence like well yeah. they've been violent to us how else are we supposed to respond right um which is exactly what that wolf guy has yeah. basically been educating her like that yeah brainwashing her maybe <laughs> um so also throughout this uh chapter they've been subtly hinting that the 
inspector uh, character has is maybe morally corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of incidents uh, where he's implicated, uh, culminating in the the death of a girl, mm-hmm. um, where it's strongly implied that he did it. Um, oh, there's just a oh, it's the friar. The friar comes up and is like, oh, the you know the police officer shot this poor woman, right? Um, and so you have to do a little investigation with him. Um, there's this this part of the game was like one of my I think one of my favorite um, sort of like tense moments because mm-hmm. there's a part where you're doing so like you do the investigation you pull the bullet out like you look at the hand yeah um, and then you go back to the rebel leader and try and like talk her down yeah and then there's this whole separate part where uh, like the friar has snuck off or maybe it's maybe it's the other wolf brother anyway one of the wolves has snuck off to the like uh, defense line that the yeah. um, the the royals are building and he you know he's like listen like these rebels all they want to do is kill you like you you can't even take the chance basically when you hear the first gunshot like it's it's you or them yeah you know and he riles him up and then like there's this whole sequence of events where you keep on thinking like somebody's going to get shot so yeah so like the lioness is about to shoot the inspector you talking down from that um, but then, like, the wolf... And then she's about to shoot the wolf. Right, because and, you reveal that he's sort of been a traitor or using her, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's about to shoot him. Right. And then you have to uh, talk her down from that. And then, like, in the end, like, he he pulls out a pistol and shoots himself. Yeah. And it's just like, no! Right. <laughs> you know, there's this whole, like, dramatic lead-up to that. Right. Which, even that, like, we're kind of talking about how how much the game is like, silly or comedy versus serious. Like, even that sequence is a little <laughs> bit silly. Like, yeah. there's definitely a little bit of situational comedy there. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is really deadly serious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the sort of ending bit of that is, like, Sparrison on a train out of Paris. Uh, I think he's writing a letter back to um, the wolf, who's the private investigator. Fox. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Fox. Renard. Renard. <laughs> Um, and you know, his, his thing is like after the, the fallout of the um, revolution was that like, they're pretty sure that, that Falcon was killed, um, but that there was never a body recovered. So he thinks that, that he's still out there somewhere. Right. Which seems pretty reasonable given that the game has sort of been coaching us to, to doubt the, the story that other people are telling unless we have evidence. So Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Um, there isn't really a lot of um, character growth for the characters. Kind of like we were talking about, like, they are specifically, like, caricatures, and so to play into that, um, they have to be sort of, like, one-note characters. Right. Which is fine. I think it works well for the story. Yeah, it definitely communicates the story that they're trying to tell. Uh-huh. I think the, uh, like, the lioness that's leading the revolution maybe yeah. gets a chance for character growth. And she's kind of the only one, mm-hmm. as far as, like, like maybe even the, the inspector with the eye patch. Yeah. Like, but he doesn't even really seem like he's come around that much by the end. No. Uh, partially because he doesn't think he's ever done anything wrong. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> he's still committed, you know, unwavering commitment to justice. Right. And so the way, the way that we got the story to end is the C ending. Yes. 
implying that there are definitely other endings. Right. So there and otherwise. Yeah, there must be at least an A and a B ending. Um, I know that there's what's referred to as the golden ending, which I, I assume is like the the best or most positive ending. Right. Where justice is always done and right. there's good outcomes for everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those articulate based... I, I know that um, the third chapter is weighted pretty heavily, um, specifically how you, if you're able to uh, save Severin or not. But mm -hmm. I think also the outcomes of the first two trials um, affect those a little bit too. Yeah. sections would basically put out like a visual novel. Um, you watch dialogue between characters and then sometimes are prompted for a uh, like a choice. And it's rarely more than like two options. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Those those usually articulate in like how does Falcon respond to something or like these are the questions that you're asking someone right. yeah. in, in pursuance of the investigation. Yeah. And sometimes it even kind of just railroads you into going the way that it wants you to go. Like, yeah. there's definitely times where I've picked an option that I thought was going to get me out of something, but, like, Sparrison immediately turns around and says, no, Falcon, we're not going to do that. Like, let's do it the right. other way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's got that, like, regular um, dialogue stuff. Um, it's got the investigation sections, which are just, like, regular backgrounds and, like, various items are highlighted and based on, you know, what you investigate, you sometimes get clues or evidence out of them. Mm-hmm. Which gets stored in your, your inventory evidence folder or whatever. Uh, right. Um, and then it's got the courtroom sections. Um, and those basically play out... The, the only thing you're really doing with those is the cross-examination, where um, it'll give you, like, you know, uh, a transcript of the witness's testimony with certain uh, aspects highlighted. Um, and then you have to sort of, like, pick where the inconsistencies are. Right. And the way that you the way that you argue against those inconsistencies is you can bring up specific things from your evidence folder. Yeah. So, you know, if someone claims that, oh, this happened, you know, this happened last night, you can pull out the piece of evidence that specifically says, no, it happened during the day. Right. Um, and the one that does bring up one of the slightly annoying parts of the game, mm -hmm. when you reach a point where it obviously wants you to bring up some sort of inconsistency, but you don't have the evidence for it, mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't just like say, oh, you can't argue with that and move on. It sort of refuses to progress until you've tried and failed a couple times. Yeah. And especially in like the first two cases with the more traditional courtroom settings, it's got kind of a system where every time you make like a good point or you try and fail to make a point, it shows like the jury's reaction uh -huh. and, and they say, oh, like the jury is somewhat convinced by this or right. you know, the jury doesn't think that Falcon knows what he's doing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it is a little bit frustrating when you're in one of those situations and like you kind of just want to pass on cross-examining because you know you don't have anything. Right. But the game won't move until you mess up a couple times. Yeah. And then it penalizes you for it. Uh-huh. You know? 
which feels a little bit unfair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's basically it. Like you, it also has sort of a system of resource management where it gives you a certain amount of time to investigate something. Right. Going to each location spends time, mm-hmm. uh, so you sort of have to figure out, you know, given the week that I have, what locations should I visit, and hopefully those visits through dialogue trees or through investigation turns up evidence that you can use at the climax of that act. Yeah, and and that's one way that I think it positively uh, deviates from Ace Attorney because the way those games are uh, set up is they're definitely very, like, straightforward. You have to pick up all of the right clues before you can progress to the next courtroom section. You know, you have to pick out the, the exact right bit of dialogue that's the issue, and then you only have one clue to use to prove it wrong. Right. Um, with this, it's more about, like, managing your time so you have what you think is the right amount of evidence before the trial happens. And then even if you fail at the trial, like, the game continues on. Yeah, yeah, like there aren't fail states. Right. Uh, it's just, it's just you're just choosing which way the story progresses in, yeah. essentially. Which I think is a really, uh, really good way to handle a game that is very narrative focused. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it, that kind of we like talking about the difficulty curve. Mm-hmm. There isn't. I don't think it's a difficult game. Period. Like right. unless. Unless you're you count winning as getting that golden ending, sure. Which I don't even know is necessarily possible on your first playthrough. Like uh-huh. you're just not given enough information to make that to to hit that goal unless you're just yeah. incredibly lucky, right? Uh, so yeah, as as long as you're not will you're not tied to a particular ending. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is like a like a difficulty, right? Like you just you just play out as best you can and see what happens, basically. Yeah, which which is really cool. Yeah, and a really good idea for them, I think. Yeah, it probably. I mean, I'm sure that contributes to the accessibility of the game. Too. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about the way the game looks. Yeah. Uh, we touched on this briefly earlier, but um, it's very, all of the art is very simple. Um, one thing that occurred to me uh, as, as I was writing up these notes is it, uh, it plays out, reminds me a lot of like a, like a popsicle stick sort of like theater yeah. kind of thing, because since your characters are just like solid cutouts of art um, superimposed over the backgrounds, they kind of like bob up and down as they move. Or, you know, the, instead of, like, turning around, the, the image just, like, flips and mirrors. Yeah, everything is very 2D. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the little animation that they do have is, like, eye-blinking and, like, mouth-flapping. But other than that, anytime like, a character has to do something different. And I want to say the only person that has multiple character sprites are, is maybe the lion. Yeah. Because um, she, like, pulls out a pistol and then, like has her not holding a pistol yeah. stance. Um, oh, and there are a couple of times when uh, uh, Falcon, like, gets wet. <laughs> yeah. And his, like, hat will get, his like, droopy, droopy and, like, drip a little bit. disgruntled about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but very, very basic presentation works really well in this, in this case. Yeah. Um, all of the backgrounds are drawn in a similar matching style. Mm-hmm. Um, since all the artwork is really... Um, it's simple, but it's expressive. Yeah. You know. And it is, I mean, so it's taken from that artist guy uh-huh. 
uh, and who actually did caricatures, like cartoony right. caricatures. Right. So they are made with a lot of character to them, I guess. If that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not. It's not just like a photographic realist, a photorealistic <laughs> picture of an owl. It's right. an owl that actually looks wise and inquisitive. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we talked about this earlier, but um, like the character presentation is actually sort of like tied up in like the character, the name of the character, and the animal of the character. Yes. Like everything fits. So you know you have the the lion baron who's very you know regal but also has a bad temper. Right. Or yeah. like the like the fox detective who's cunning and whose name is Renard. Right. You know, like or it, yeah, having the wolves be like the instigators yeah, of yeah. the revolution. And then like Romulus and Remus. Yeah. Yeah. is the finale which is in uh, Fantasia 2000 mm. um, and I want to say it's the ending theme for like a cartoon or like a comedy show but I can't mm. think of what it would be um, but yeah so the music isn't like amazing no but it is fitting yeah 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 it always does a really good job of setting the scene and sort of matching the mood of whatever right. drama is happening or lack of drama in some cases yeah um, it's not particularly memorable. Like, I don't think I, I don't find myself humming it afterwards right. or whatever, but when, when you're in the middle of the game, it feels like, it feels fitting. Like, it yes. doesn't feel out of place. It feels like it's supposed to be there mm-hmm. and reinforces what the game is trying to tell you at that particular moment. Yeah. It, yeah. It is definitely, it works in service of, of the action of the game. And again, like, since everything is like sort of funnels, circles back around into that like, historical time period piece. Like, yeah. it is very fitting for the, the thing that they're trying to present. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't think I would ever listen to the soundtrack just, like, on my own. I don't really think so either. Uh, but since it is, like, real classical music, there are chances that you probably could hear the songs out in the world. Yeah. I think uh, I think the track that I did like the most was whatever they play during the climax of the second act when you're sort of unmasking who the real villain is or whatever like it's very very good and dramatic and moving and Uh yeah (laughs) Yeah. um so this is a good game yeah i I would say so i would say this is a good game um i think they did a really like the the narrative is probably the the strongest point of the game which is good because it's mostly a narrative (laughs) game (laughs) um and the the turn and tone is done really effectively yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really well written mm-hmm. overall. Um, and I think that it's, it, like, in the sense that it's not just a clone of Phoenix Wright. It's not just, right. like, a, a pastiche yeah. of, uh, of Phoenix Wright. It's actually 
taking the Phoenix Wright genre uh-huh. and twisting it in a new direction or like combining it with interactive novel genre. Yeah. Which is cool and I really appreciate. Right, because I think going into this game, you know, I had just gotten it out of like a humble monthly bundle and I, you know, saw it and I thought, oh, well, like this is going to be funny if nothing else. But I, I really wasn't expecting it to like get serious yeah. and like actually be invested in the story and by the end I was like really invested in the story yeah no me too yeah. I feel like that's that's kind of a rarity for me with games yeah like a lot of times I'm able to maintain a pretty good degree of detachment from it <laughs> or whatever but yeah like I was actually pretty wrapped up by the end mm-hmm. um, and I think that's specifically achieved in this game by like having you start out so like simply and and, you know, presenting sort of a less serious thing up front and then, like, sort of gradually easing you into, like, this is the really serious part of the game now. Yeah. Because there are, like, little interstitial cutscenes kind of in between acts and sometimes, like, in between actions that you can view that'll sometimes, like, show the wolves, you know, standing around and talking about stuff. Yeah. Um, And then, like... Like, I think that happens in between, like, Act 1 and Act 2, and then immediately in Act 2, you know, the, the one judge is the wolf now, right. um, and then, you know, yeah, I don't know. That is sort of an interesting, like a, like, a switch in genre at that point, too, because in an investigative game, if you know, if you, the player, know more than you, the character in the game, knows, it becomes mm-hmm. a little bit unfair. Like, yeah. you become a little bit omnipotent. Like, you you see things that your character doesn't know about and, in fact, couldn't know about. Right. And if that starts to impact how you play the game, it's kind of like, a, it sort of breaks the realism a little bit. Right, you can, like, metagame it. Right, but at this point, like, it's sort of left that, like, left that being a consideration behind and it's just trying to tell you a story. Right. Uh, which is kind of a cool, like, bait-and-switch, basically. Yeah. I really, I do really appreciate media that does that, too, that kind of, you it you think you're getting set up for something kind of predictable that you've mm-hmm. seen before, and then it just really, like, turns around and, you know, shows you something you don't expect at all. Yeah. Do you ever, did I make you watch that movie Triangle? No. Okay. It's It starts out looking like a horror film, and just like a classic, like, oh, a group of friends are together on an outing, and they're something... Yeah, storm blows up in the middle of the sea, and you know, ah, there's all the stuff going. They find a haunted ship, but then, like halfway through the film, there's this really particular moment where the entire thing completely switches direction, and like, you have this moment of realization at the exact same time that a character has the moment of realization, huh. and you're like, oh man, this is not a horror story at all. Like, this is completely different than what <laughs> I thought it was. A, this is a story about triangles, right? I know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the same way, like, you, you know, Falcon is kind of having a, a revelation that, like, oh, like, you know, I'm trying to work within the system and trying to, you know, pursue justice and whatever, mm-hmm. but also, like, now maybe I'm caught up in something way bigger right. that is not so easily explained as just, like, evidence in a case or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We talked about improvements a little bit. Yeah. Um, so combining the evidence and the Facebook into, like, one thing, yeah. that would that would be a little bit more detailed and annotated would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, with the characters, like, I, I, you know, after the first act was pretty easily able to f- follow, 
along with who is who. Yeah. But, but initially, like like I said, since you are dealing with like French names, French places, everything's in France. Mm-hmm. Like it is a, a a lot of that stuff kind of bounces off. Yeah. You know, yeah. in a, in a way that doesn't really absorb as much as if it had been you know like Jack. Right. And with, with the with the characters, even, it's a little... Like, you can remember, oh, that's the lion, or that's the right. giraffe, or whatever. But when they're like, oh, yes, you know, they're in the, the Grande Gallery de la whatever, <laughs> you're like, I don't remember which thing in the Louvre that was. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, improving the, the courtroom sections a little bit. Yeah, so that you don't feel like you get stuck sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just a, like... I can't do anything, but right. um, there was, as far as the evidence stuff goes, there was, there's one time that I noticed that I wanted to be able to see the evidence list when I couldn't, mm-hmm. and that's on the main map, Yeah, which kind of sucks because when, you know, your travel time is at a premium, you don't want to waste a click going somewhere right. uh, without really knowing if it's going to pay off or not. So not letting people look at their inventory before they make a decision about where to, how to spend their time yeah. uh, kind of sucks. The one way around that, that I found is that there are some locations you can go to, like like your lawyer office, mm-hmm. uh, for free without taking up any time. Mm-hmm. So if you jump into them for a second, you can look at your inventory there, and then it kicks you back to the main map. Uh-huh. And then you can... Um, the name of the game... Yes. ...is Aviary Attorney. Yes. Which obviously refers to you. Yes, because you are, in fact, a bird. Yes. An avian. Um, <laughs> and you are an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's the name of your law office. Yeah. That's I didn't pick up on that at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a funny part in the beginning of the game where like you get um, hired to do a case and they they make some comment about like all the other lawyer like good lawyers were busy doing something um, and the only reason that you got hired was because your your like law office is listed top of the yellow pages or whatever. Yeah, because it's AA. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which also, I don't know, given your, your main Falcon's uh, oh, yeah, drinking habits, that's maybe true. it's uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Because like, every time you step into the bar, like Sparrowson's always like, dude, like this isn't the time for drinking. <laughs> right? You're like, no, we're on a case. Like, yeah. Calm down. I want to say at least act two and three start with like, Sparrowson <laughs> having to go find Falcon at the bar and drag him back to the office. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, who do you think this would appeal to? I think that most people would be into this game. Yeah. Um, I think if if you're a sort of person who doesn't want to sit through a lot of dialogue and who wants some more like action, like skill action type yeah. stuff, there isn't going to be much here for you. True. But if you like, I mean, if you like reading stories and right. if you like um, humor mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, like there, there's a lot. That the, the the twist that happens when it happens, like the the change in tone for the game, like there's a lot to enjoy here for sure. Yeah, and it's I mean because of the way that the game is set up, like like you said, it's very accessible. Yeah, you don't have you don't have to be good at anything. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean you might get the worst ending. Right. But it, it's never going to like kick you out of the game. Yeah, you're just playing out your story. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's. 
saying that the only people it wouldn't appeal to are the people that don't like the genre might be kind of a cop-out. Because <laughs> I feel like that's generally true for every game. I mean, yeah, I guess. So yeah, so maybe it just is generally. Most people would probably like this game, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, I, I had a thought um, that probably like mom would like this game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Like the like the sort of historical, like the the uh, period piece aspect. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, definitely. And the writing. Yeah, and like, yeah. It feels a lot like you know, like a like a masterpiece theater, like uh-huh. a mystery series or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's that's it. Unless you yeah. have any other thoughts. I don't think so. All right. Um, so next game on our list is uh, Fire Emblem of the Sacred Stones. Yeah. Uh, which is the second Game Boy Advance game that they... Well, sorry. Third Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem game that they made. Second one that we got in the U.S. Of course. Um, <laughs> That's how that um, works. <laughs> right. So next week will undoubtedly be filled with me talking about weird, obscure uh, Fire Emblem stuff. And yeah. Yeah. I guess that's that's it. If you if you liked what you've heard here, feel free to you know rate us highly or favorite us or subscribe to us or yeah, do any of those nice positive actions. Share, share the share the podcast. You know, yeah. with people that like video games. Maybe you got like a you know Monday night gaming group. Yeah, just uh, spread it around because we like more people to listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and until next time, brother. brother!